Today on the show, we're talking about advice for our 20-year-old selves. Welcome to the Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm joined with Trevor, and thank you so much for being here with us today as we talk about advice we wish we could give our 20-year-old selves. Yeah, you know what? Your 20s are pretty formative years, and they're, they really represent a, launch, a launching pad for the rest of your life. And it, so me in my 50s, you know, I reflect back 30 years to my 20s, and, you know, there's things I would change, things I would do different. But I also, in my 50s, I, I have a couple of 80-year-olds in my, in my life, and I, I ask them periodically, you know, what, would, what, what advice would you give your 50-year-old self? which is interesting. And surprisingly, those years are not near as formative as your 20s. So, so the advice I get is, is very consistent. You know, quit working earlier rather than later. You know, so retire early is the message. I don't get a lot of, you know, do this, don't do that type of advice from, from 80-year-olds. So, it's, so I, I think advice you give your 20-year-old self is, is really important because the years are so formative. So today on the show, we're just going to go through some articles that we found, and, and we'll have all those article links in the show notes, so you can go back and check out uh, where where these points come from, but they'll all be in the show notes. We'll just read through them, and then you can go check them out afterwards, but we're just going to go through and, and, and talk about things that we wish we could tell our 20-year-old selves, and I think this is an awesome episode because, Trevor, like, I, I'm in my 20s right now. I'm right in the thick of it where, where decisions need to be made that will lead me down a life path. Um, and, and one that I hope to go down. Yeah, so it's in, you know, the longer, the, the older the person you approach to get advice from, the more removed they are from their 20s. So you really need to touch base with people in various ages, to, you know, to get their, their advice maybe on the same topic and see how, it, you know, if there's a pattern or, or, or some consistency. I mean, I'd say you're pretty far removed from your 20s. Is it, what's your recollections of it? Is it still pretty clear? Do you still, is there things you would, during this episode that you're going to say with with conviction that you do wish you could tell your 20-year-old self? Oh, there's definitely a lot of things I would do differently. And it, surprisingly, my 20s are still pretty vivid in my mind, aspects of it. Obviously, day-to-day is very vague, but uh, some of the decisions I made in my 20s are still very vivid in my mind. Would you say any of them are haunting you to date or, or are you, are you pretty pleased with the direction that your, your decisions in your twenties have led you to today? Well, surprisingly it's the, without being specific, the overarching thing that I regret the most is not taking enough risks in life, you know, playing it too safe. I, and that sounds like, like bad advice, you know, take chances, but you can't take chances when you get older. You've got to take them when you're young because if it's a bad mistake, you have lots of time to recover. And let's make that point number one right there because I, I think that's a great way to start the show with this bold bold point. Um, and I, I'm even surprised that, you, that you'd say that because it, when you look at personal finance, you don't think about risk. You think about play it safe, like play it maybe overly safe. I mean, I mean that, I'm sure that's a mentality a lot of our, me and I'm sure a lot of our listeners maintain. Well, just in... You know, money aside, just life in general, I wish I would have taken more chances. But now, if, if I take a, a chance now, just say I started a business and it failed, my chances of recovering from that, if there was any kind of cash, uh, capital outlay to get it started, is dramatically reduced. I mean, it, at, at my age, it almost has to succeed. You're saying because there are less working years ahead of you than behind. Exactly. Do you think if you could do it again that you would do things differently? I mean, I'm just thinking as a 20-year-old person right here where the personal finance realm does seem a little bit scary, a little bit unsure, uncertain, and that right now where I don't have a lot of money to my name, it seems like a crazy time to make these crazy decisions and, and maybe take risks that I shouldn't maybe be taking. Also, let's not forget the fact that I am in my 20s and, and someone 20 may not feel like they have the all the answers to to make this decision to take risks and that they 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 don't know any better so taking this risk might not be a good decision you know i heard this on a radical personal finance podcast which i'm a huge fan of and he talked about one thing young people have is they're they are extremely they have a lot of wealth in human capital meaning they can convert their 
physical efforts into money, they, they have more of that than somebody who's in their 50s. So you're richer than you think in, in that respect. Cue the Scotiabank tagline. So, Trevor, let's get into some more. So we've laid down number one there, and I like that. And um, so let's, let's hit up some other ones here. So our next one we're going to discuss is um, from frugalrolls.com, and it is spent on experiences, not stuff. Over the years, we, uh, my family would go through this cycle where we would, we would every spring we'd, we'd move stuff from our basement, that, you know, stuff that we had acquired that we're no longer using. Let me start. So we, we, we'd acquire stuff, and, and that stuff we'd use it, and it, it, it would lose its shine, and it ended up in the basement. And we had this crawl space. It would end up actually in the crawl space. And then in the spring, we'd take it all out of the crawl space and put it in the garage. And once the garage got full in the fall, we'd empty the garage and we'd take it to the recycling center or the dump or wherever. So so, so you move stuff to places, to more places, to more places, to more places. Well, it, it, the whole thing we, we had in our house, before anything could leave our house, it had to pass through this crawl space, <laughs> which seems crazy, but... And it was the hardest place to get at. It was this dark corner. And it, anyway, and if I think of all the years that we did that with stuff, you know, stuff we acquired and, and we just, we just cycle through this stuff. And I, I can't even remember, you know, how many laptop computers I've owned or my family's owned, you know, they, they were exciting when we got them, but their, their shine wore off quickly. But when I think of experiences and trips we went on, even like camping or canoeing trips we went on, which were extremely low cost those memories are are so vivid and so meaningful and, and you know we talk about it as a family constantly but you know we don't talk about these old computers or toys we had like i mean they're long forgotten so absolutely sp- spending your hard-earned money on experiences and and enjoying those and having that memory for a lifetime its value exceeds stuff by a huge magnitude. So if I take this back to my 20s, I remember I used to buy things and I would, you know, paralysis by analysis, I, I would I would stew over, you know, should I get this one, should I get that one? And everything I bought, I wanted it to, you know, be this lifetime purchase. You know, I'll have this forever, so I want to make sure I get the right one. And particularly when, you know, I go back to the 1980s, I, I remember buying a VCR, video cassette recorder. And I remember agonizing over which one to, to buy, you know, in terms of features and, and functionality it had. And I remember agonizing for, I'm going to say weeks, maybe even months over which one to get. And I remember saying, you know, I'm going to have this forever. So I, I want to make sure I get the right one. Well, lo and behold, technology is a monster that eats stuff up and spits it out. And I, I can't believe the the anguish and energy I expended on, on, on analyzing this $800 purchase. So with stuff, it, it is so, it's life, it's lifespan is so short that to, to spend any amount of your time, uh, contemplating or analyzing, it's just wasted time. It's crazy because as you're saying that example, all, me and all of our listeners, we're all sitting here being like, yeah, Trevor, it's a VCR. Like, no, we don't use this anymore. And it, we can all see with clarity that that de- like you agonizing over the, that decision was, was kind of crazy because those are dinosaurs now. But I'm sure but don't, things don't, like that happen but, today. But don't forget, this is when, this is at the cusp of technology. Like technology didn't exist then. You know what I mean? The, people bought record players and, and they had them forever because they didn't change, you know, so those kind of things didn't change. So I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. So no, but I'm just saying that the decisions that we're making today that seems so important, we could look back at 30 years from now and realize that that just, how trivial. Yeah. It is. Just just like a, yeah. picking out a VCR. So I, that's what I'm just trying to get it is that it's. It's kind of, I mean, we all, we look like that seems crazy that you were making, again, that big of a decision over VCR when today we're probably making decisions, like you said, over trivial things with that much um, in, intent as well and interest in, in, in just kind of really picking apart our decisions. The next point from freewillmoneys.com again is, and I like this point, it's listen to your gut. Yeah, so back to the, our last point. 
I spent so much time analyzing and and um, trying to apply logic to so many life decisions, logic that that you would apply to a mathematical formula. Like like a lot of times, like a house purchase, for instance, is it's rarely a logical purchase. It's an emotional purchase. You're going to live in it. You're going to raise a family in it. it. It can't be, or it shouldn't be based on, you know, straight math, square footage, number of people, you know, square footage per person. If you're buying a house like that, you're going to be horribly disappointed. So most of your purchases in life are going to be emotional. And your gut instinct is going to drive, you know, a lot of those decisions. Or, or I'm saying let your gut instinct drive those decisions. Don't let practical analysis and and sort of rudimentary calculations be your guide you know let your gut guide most of your life decisions and you're you're gonna chances are you'll you'll regret fewer of those decisions if you do and i think at the end of the day it's important to realize that our emotions will guide a majority of our decisions which makes it important to really question and analyze each decision to make sure that it is a well-informed smart decision as opposed to one that's again driven purely by emotion and what if i look back at any decisions that i i I try to apply logic to and then you know hindsight i got it wrong you know i shouldn't have bought this thing or shouldn't have done you know made this decision it'll because it'll be because i missed a piece of information or that information wasn't available to me at the time but i will i will hate myself or be you know beat myself up for missing that logical piece that that come back to haunt me whereas if you made the decision based on gut instinct you you can never second guess yourself or you're you're less likely to second guess yourself because you used your gut instinct to make that decision i think that's important to underline though that sometimes your gut while it's important to trust your gut your gut's not always right as well but I think if you use your gut as your guiding force, you it's harder to question your gut instinct, you know, in hindsight. Oh, true. You, yes. Yeah. No, that's a great point. The, this next point from frugalrolls.com is say yes to more. You never know where it'll take you. And this, this is going back to my earlier point about uh, take risks when you're young. And I, I think that's so, so important. I, if I had my, my single biggest regret in life was not taking more chances, more risks, you know, playing it too safe. So by saying yes to things, saying yes to more things, chances are you're, you're taking more risk on, you know, where, where if you say no, you're, you're saying, you know, that, that, that looks way too risky for me. So it, you have so much time to recover from these mistakes and not taking a chance and being success, successful at something is a risk in itself. So uh, only, you know, even if you make a mistake in life in, by taking a risk, you will have gained wisdom, knowledge, education. That, that, that's not a path you want to go down in the future. So something will have been gained from taking a chance when you're young. But saying yes to more, does that not also equal, I mean, could that not lead to FOMO, fear of missing out? Could that not lead to just doing things just because? Well, in excess, nothing's good, right? If you if you do too much of anything, it, it, nothing good will come from that. So it, you have to uh, be somewhat calculated or somewhat, you know, pick your spots. But you you if you if you just play it safe your whole life and and, and say no to everything except everything that's certain, I I look back with great regret. The next one again from frugalworlds.com is consider your college major seriously. So this one I. I disagree with because and again I just want to highlight that the reason this is included in this episode advice I give my 20 year old self is because I I think what you take at college university can impact your earning potential and and really shape your future and and to you need to take something that will get you a job I mean that that's the primary reason we go to school for post-secondary education is to, to, to get gainful employment I remember, you know, choosing a, a path of study and wanting to make sure I could do this for the rest of my life, you know, my whole working career. I, I, it has to be something that, that I can do. And, and I didn't want anything too specific because I didn't want to be painted into a corner, but I didn't want to be too broad that nobody would be, you know, my, my skills were, 
so vague nobody would would would, would value them. But it it turns out most people uh, have two or three career changes in their lifetime. You know, two or three kinds of jobs. And had I gone into it knowing this or appreciating that, like I know people even said that to me when I was younger, and, and I, I I I didn't want to I didn't want to believe it. But the 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 fact of the matter is, you can't do the same thing. At least I can't for thirty years. It, it just it becomes soul crushing and mind numbing to to fight the same fight every day for thirty years. I can't I can't do it. I I changed a career path. So I'm I'm in my I'll say a second career path. I'm going to be going into a third one in my semi-retirement years. And you just I I found the number is maybe 15 years and after that you you really need a, a change of pace, a, a different a different view of the world because it it just it gets old. I really like I I like the, I like this one and and everything that you just said about it because I think I mean, you leave high school at age 17, 18, and it's, it's intimidating. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners today are even maybe were afraid to pursue post-secondary because they weren't sure what to go into or, or change their minds while they're in post-secondary. So I think it's, it's really reassuring to hear from you that now at 50, it was okay that you changed your mind. It was okay that you started something and went in a different direction. It doesn't make you a failure. It actually, it shows that you're willing to. But this is something. advice I was getting in my 20s and I ignored it. You know, people are saying, don't, don't worry, you'll change your career, you know, at some point in time. And I was getting that advice and ignored it or disregarded it. And then continue to stress over, you know, what field of study should I go into? The next point from frugalrules.com. I think we'll go through all of the ones from frugalrules.com before moving on. This one is by John Schmoll. And again, it'll be in our show notes. It's entitled 20 Money Lessons I Would Teach My 20-Year-Old Self. And another one from his is that surround yourself with friends that share the same basic financial goals. Yeah, this is probably a, a big mistake I, you know, I made. So a lot of times you grow up with your high school buddies and and maybe you keep touch with them and you move on to college and university and you hang out with those friends chances are the the college university friends are going to have uh, goals similar to yours than the the friends you had in high school that didn't continue on to post-secondary you know they have a different view of the world I'm not condemning it they, they've cho- chosen a different path and and maybe they don't value say education the same that you do if you, if you pursued post-secondary and vice versa if if you have some high school friends that went into post-secondary and you didn't then you know, you value, you know, getting into the workforce and earning a living uh, sooner rather than later, more important. And that that's okay too. I, I, I just think that if if you, you just, whatever path you choose and, and that you believe in, you need to be surrounded by, by those people to, to sort of cultivate that passion. But there's an expression, and we've said it on here before, you, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if if you surround yourself with people that hang out at the bars every night and um, maybe enjoy gambling at casinos, I'm not condemning those people, but I mean, if, if that's who you surround yourself with, that's who you're going to be. So it, it, it really, it really, the people you choose to have around you is really going to form and shape who you are. I mean, before we started recording today, you were talking about how you were you were in school and you had friends who weren't and they were affording things that you wish you could afford so i'm like that that must have been it must have been hard yeah so when i started post-secondary education i i I ended up going to school in the same town i grew up in and my my, i had a a group of friends that didn't go into post-secondary and they went and got jobs in factories or wherever and they had a steady paycheck they went and bought new cars and went on trips and that was really hard to to get through school being exposed to that because obviously those are things I, I wasn't able to afford. So it, I, I, but they were, you know, friends I didn't want to lose. So it was a real tough spot to be in. And I, I, I do want to add in to that. I think even being in the same situation as your friends too and, and not being able to do the things that they're doing kind of makes you question things too. I, especially if you have, I, I mean, this happens to, this has happened to me. I, uh, I have, when I live with my roommates and 
they're doing things we're all students and they're doing things that I look at my bank account and I'm like ah I don't think I'll be able to afford that but I mean you don't know who is actually funding that trip you don't know who's actually or 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 how they're making things work I mean everyone's situation is different and especially because there are parental support going on too in in post-secondary that you might not be fully aware of so I think it's also hard to kind of compare yourself to your peers as well well and going back to advice for your 20 year old self so on this topic is uh, I think that the advice would be choose your friends wisely and, and don't be afraid to move your friend circle from faces in your life so you, you don't have to be close friends for life you can be close friends for a you know for when it seems to work in your life so the next point is and i'm not sure how i feel about this point especially if where this is an episode on advice you'd give to your 20 year old self but it's save up money until you can buy a car outright yeah i'm you know we did one on used cars i'm a huge fan of this one of the biggest mistakes i made in my 20s was buying a brand new car and i, I was so good at making the mistake I, I did it twice and looking back i because when you buy a used car, it's pre-scratched, pre-dented maybe. And it's just a lot less stressful. Your expectations are so much lower. So, so just finances aside, buying a used car is, you know, owning a used car is a lot less stressful than owning a new car, without question. But it's, it's less exciting too. But I, I, the pre- I agree. the premium you pay for a new car is outrageous. And because it's, it's so much more expensive. You, you have to borrow more money and borrow it over a long period of time to pay for it. So it it's a double-edged sword. And if I go back in my 20s, I would have bought a used car. I probably would have borrowed money for it, but maximum three years. That That's it. If I can't pay for it in three years, it's a car I cannot afford. And you and you'd give yourself, your 20-year-old self that then. Is that still something with all of today's expectations is that still something that's realistic for the 20 year olds today well the problem is you're seeing you know seven and eight year car loans which makes the monthly payment more affordable for people who earn less money so these people right out of school can afford a a, a sixty thousand dollar truck because they can afford the payments that doesn't mean you that's it really makes sense for you to own that given your income i disagree i i think you probably need to borrow money to buy a car in your 20s. The chances of you being able to save it up and take the bus for three or four years until you get the money saved up is, I don't know how realistic that is. You know, what happens is you end up having to take jobs that you can only, that, that are on the bus route. And so you may pass up some really good opportunities in doing that. But in buying a car, you can't lose your mind and, and buy a car that is so outrageously expensive that you have to find a job that that can you know fit into that car payment. Again, you might be p- passing up great career building opportunities because you need enough money to cover this car payment. So it's sort of a balancing act between you know if you don't have a car, you, you miss out on great opportunities. If you have a car that's too expensive, you're also may miss it on great opportunities. It's so more looking at a car as a means of transportation than anything else. Yeah, it shouldn't be a, a lifestyle decision. It should be a transportation decision. I like this next point. It's you will make money mistakes. Yeah, it's it's true. You you will, but you can't afford to make them all. You need to learn from other, from your parents or other people, older people in your life. So the the times change. So you know, if my 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 father might have said, you know, buy buy the most expensive expensive toaster you can find because you'll have it for life. Well, when he bought a toaster in his twenties, they cost a fortune, and and he did have it for life. And I remember him repairing his toaster. Well, now I can get a toaster for like thirteen dollars. It's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about. So his advice on a toaster would be bad advice. But his advice on education or, you know, owning a car, it still might be good advice. So it, you, you, you're going to make mistakes. The times change. So like you were saying in the beginning of the show, if, if I'm in my 50s, I'm looking at, you know, what things I do different in my 20s. Well, the environment has changed since then. And so some of the things, some of the decisions I made in my 20s that worked out wouldn't work out today for somebody in their 20s. And 
some of the things I would have done different in my 20s is completely irrelevant now, again, because the environment's changed. The last point we're going to touch on from this article on frugalrules.com is travel more. And I like this point, but I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, yes, we all want to travel, but is this something, I mean, the only reason people aren't traveling is due to the financial restraint. So is it good to say travel more when there's a financial consequence? Well, to start with, you should never travel on credit. You know, I, I would never borrow money to travel. That That is just, that's insane. Um, I, I like putting a, a trip on a credit card is, that's just bad advice. I would never tell someone to do that. But if you, if I go on vacation now in my fifties, after about three or four days of go, 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 you know, seeing the sites, I get exhausted. You know, I really, I literally, I don't have the energy and I, f- I feel horrible sitting in my hotel room while I'm away on vacation, you know, resting, thinking, you know, what a waste. I should be, I spent all this money to get here. I should go out and see the sites. But I'm so, I'm so tired after three or four days of going that, that I need to rest. So if I were younger, I, I, could, I could keep going and see more and, and, and get, maximize that experience. So in that way, I say, yes, travel more when you're younger. And that kind of goes back to, you know, to taking chances. So when you travel to a foreign place, you never know what you're going to see. So it is kind of uh, a risk-taking adventure. So I, I agree with that. And I've, I have a few stories of people who have waited their whole life to, to travel to faraway places. And now their health is failing them. And the travel insurance, if they can even get it, in some cases is as much as the trip. So it, it, it's very sad to know that these people have waited their whole life to travel and now they can't afford to go even though they have the money it just financially the, the travel insurance would bankrupt them would you not say though that it's it's not i mean i would be traveling right here right now i mean i love this podcast but i would be traveling if if i could afford it i i i'm sure you could take a poll of a thousand people and all those people would be the we'd say to you oh i would i would love to travel more but is it so I, I'm just trying to get a sense of how to financially make that possible. Is it just a matter of reprioritizing your t- life and, and maybe living a more minimalist, simplistic life? Almost like if anyone's heard of Colin Wright, he's a he's a he's a minimalist and the minimalist Josh and Ryan actually talk about him a lot and he lives out of his backpack and but he's able to travel because all that he owns is on his back. So Trevor, are you talking about more of make traveling a priority? Well, you know, in your in your twenties, you're living a pretty uh, f- you know, a stripped down lifestyle compared to somebody in their fifties who's well established and has a house and a car and maybe some fancy furniture. And so, in your twenties, you're living in more of a you know bare bones apartment and makeshift furniture. So your your expectations for accommodations are lower, generally speaking, than someone in their fifties or sixties who who have a you know, a, a nicely comfortable furnished home. So when I go away on vacation, my expectations for my accommodations are, I don't know, and I don't want to sound snobbish, but probably four or five star hotels, right? Because I, I, I'm not going to go stay somewhere that's, you know, less desirable than the place I live. It, it wouldn't seem like a vacation then, right? I, it would seem like I'm I'm, I'm, like I'm going camping. away to, to to stay in a, in a, in a dump, right? So why why would you do that? It's, it it would it would take away from your vacation experience. Whereas in my twenties, you know, I I lived in a in a sort of a I'll say a fairly kind of a rundown apartment building, and all my furniture was kind of makeshift from a uh, thrift shops and stuff. So when I went away on vacation, even if I was in a three and a half star hotel, it seemed fancier than where I lived. So if you travel when you're younger, your 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 expectations of of accommodations is greatly reduced. And so so that that's one way of reducing the cost of your vacation. But, you know, like you say, Colin Wright, he doesn't, he kind of does, even in today's, you got the bed and breakfasts, you've got uh, Airbnbs. The the possibilities are, are, are far more now than when I was in my 20s. So this is a case where my, my advice to somebody in their 20s wouldn't be as relevant because when I, when I was in my twenties, bed and breakfasts didn't really exist. Airbnb didn't exist. Uber didn't exist. I mean, so your ability to to move around and and find accommodations has changed dramatically. So, 
if anything, you should travel more when you're younger now, be only because it's easier. So we're going to move on to another article. This one's from Forbes.com. It's by an Jeff Rose, and it's entitled Seven Lessons I Would Give to My 20-Year-Old Self. We're not going to go through all seven, just highlight some of the key ones within this article. Another, the there's actually one more from Fergo Rules I do want to touch on, and it is start a side hustle. A, start, a side hustle, it doesn't necessarily have to be... Um, something that delivers an income like like look at this podcast for instance we do it because we enjoy it yeah so a side hustle is something that just allows you to be productive or are passionate about something other than your job and it, it it's it's a way to build a community or give back to a community so i think a side hustle you could be volunteering you, you could be earning an income from it but i think it's just a way to productively use your time, you know, in a very systematic, productive manner, use your spare time. And I think that's, that's something you'll look back and not regret. And, you know, when you look back to your twenties and say, you know, I spent all my spare time in the bars or watching TV. If you had a side hustle in your twenties. So if I look back and I wish I had one in my twenties, I would look back and say, you know, I, I learned a lot doing that, or, or I was very productive, or I did a lot of good things for people in my 20s because I had that side hustle. Well, even I'm in my 20s and I have this podcast and it has made me, it has made me more self-aware of what I want to do as a job. And I mean, and it, it's allowed my passion to shine through. I'm, I'm actually going to school uh, after in September, just, just this month um, for a, a certificate in social media, just to continue and follow up my past education and communications and business. So it, it, it really being a, doing social media as a podcast, it has allowed me to really realize what I like to do. So again, I think everything happens for a reason and you take on something you're passionate about and I think only good things will come from it. And having a side hustle in your twenties, it's going to, you know, build your confidence. It's going to develop tools that you wouldn't have otherwise developed. And it's going to just broaden your horizons. It's going to by being productive in your 20s, in, in all aspects of your life, it, it'll just open doors that wouldn't have otherwise opened. Like, if if you just hung out at the bars in your 20s, job opportunities, they may appear out of that, but they might not. But if, if you're doing something productive in your 20s, you're just going to interact with people and, and opportunities will come because of it. So I want to move on to another article. This one is from Forbes.com by an author named Jeff, Jeff Rose. And... One of the ones here, and we hear it all the time, so I, it's it sounds like something that just gets repeated, and, and it, you kind of tune it out, but it's start investing earlier, and I kind of want you to find that a little bit, Trevor, because, I mean, people can say make a budget. This this sounds like when people say to you, oh, make a budget, and it's like, yeah, I know I need to, but so start investing earlier. What's earlier? Just It seems like an arbitrary point. Well, I I, I think if you started investing by the time you were 25, you'd, you'd probably be on a, a pretty solid road to early retirement. The key is to to make it easy, you know, make it so you don't feel the, the pain or you're not missing the money. And if you just have it come off your paycheck, you don't even notice it, you're not going to, you're not going to miss it. And it's just going to be working for you in the background. Uh, I mean, the, you can't say much wrong. There's no downside to investing early. So are you saying that, I mean, if we have individuals, listeners listening out there who are closer to my age, just starting out, maybe not making much, are they still able to participate in this in this piece of advice? Yeah, if you're, if you're living so close to the edge that you can't afford, I'll say 10% of your income to invest, if you're that close to the edge, then chances are something in your life is out of balance financially. You know, either your accommodations are too upscale given your income or you have too expensive a car or some other aspect of your lifestyle is is out of sync with your income. If you can't afford to put 10% investing into your future retirement. The next point by Jeff Rose is seek out mentors who will give you advice. And, and, and Jeff Rose said that both his parents weren't the best financial role models for him. Um, they struggle with money. They both even filed for Brian Corruptency twice. So they were far from the the mentors, but he, he puts this as a very key point, and, and I'd have to agree with him. So when I think of people that gave me advice when I was in my 20s, 
the best advice I got were the people that were offering offering more philosophical advice, advice, not specific. You know, when I when I asked somebody, you know, you know, should I buy this car? You know, they wouldn't tell me, or, or I, you know, maybe I'm, I'm personally saying I want to buy a, a car. You know, if they were telling me exactly what car to buy, that generally was outdated advice. But if they were giving their their philosophy on buying cars. I was all in. I was listening. And that turned out to be the best advice I got. A lot of times I'd have to push them for details or push them to, you know, to help me with a specific car. You know, should I buy this car? And again, I would continue to get philosophical advice about cars. And I, I remember being annoyed by that, but it, looking back, it was the best advice, you know. So they were saying to me, I don't know, you know, what specific car you should buy, but here's the things you should look at. And so when you're getting advice from people on investing or anything, if they're giving you very specifics, they're really just talking to hear their own voice in a lot of cases. But if they're giving you their philosophy, which is far more important than specific, you know, a, a lot of people want the easy way out. Just give me an answer to my question. You know, I, I don't want the burden of having to decide. But if someone's giving you their philosophy, you still have to decide. But the philosophy is the key. Back to the idea of mentors, though. Who do you go for if maybe your parents aren't the best mentors? Or what can you learn from your parents, even if maybe they're not the best mentors? Well, that, that is a really good question. So the best mentor to approach is, is to find somebody, I'll say in their 50s, if you're in your 20s, who looks to be a very content, happy person. You know, chances are they've made a lot of right decisions in life. Now, that may not align with, you know, your your philosophies, but it's worth approaching that person. And it could be somebody you work with. It could be a family, uh, you know, a relative in your family. It could be a, a neighbor. But you, if your parents just say are financial disasters, there's a lot to be learned there. You know, you those are all the things you shouldn't do. And, and, and analyze it in detail, you know, because you're very close to it. And no, you know, these are things I, I don't want to do. Like if, I remember I had a grandfather, he worked till he was into his late, I'll say mid-70s. And I had another grandfather that retired in his mid, I'd say early 60s. And I learned a lot from both of those. I learned what I didn't want to do, and I learned what I did want to do. So that there's, mentors can show up in many forms. Uh, they can be positive reinforcements and negative reinforcements. Last point I want to touch on within Jeff, Jeff Rose's article is don't let life flush your dreams. Yeah, you know, this, your your dreams should be, or your aspirations, your goals should be uh, not a destination, but a direction. And one of the things I, if I look back to my 20s, you know, I, I was always, I had these mental destinations or these these mental, you know, benchmarks that I had to hit at a certain age you know I I put a lot of pressure on myself a lot of a lot of strain you know needing you know I needed to do this by this age and this by this age and looking back you just need to make sure you're moving in the right direction you know and, and your 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 dreams in life should be should be guiding you for the most part and if I had to give advice to my 20 year old self I'd say make decisions that move you in a direction you want to go don't worry about the destination. You're going to get there eventually, but just make sure you're moving in the right direction. I mean, and life is not a straight line, so there's going to be some some curves in the road, but just keep moving in that, that same direction and chances are things are going to work out. So the next article we're going through is Essence.com and it's by Tanisha A. Skikes. And one of the points within her article is live home longer. Yeah, I'd have to disagree with this completely. I mean... There's nothing good that will, you know, it, that becomes just math, right? Living at home into your, say, your mid-20s, you're just doing math on that that decision. I can save this much money by living at home. The skills you're going to, the, the skills you're going to develop by living on your own, you know, the life skills. So if I had to give advice to my 20-year-old self, it, it would be leave home, you know, move out, leave, move out from your parents' roof sooner rather than later because you're going to become an adult and develop life skills the earlier you can do that, the, the better off you'll be. I, I mean, it, it makes no financial sense at all. But from a life standpoint, it, it is a, it's a game changer. 
So you're saying this is one one area where sometimes you kind of have to put the the financial side aside and, and look at the bigger picture. Yeah, doing math on life decisions, it generally never works out. You, you, you Obviously, if you lived at home with your parents, you, you could probably save up and buy, ca- buy a car with cash, save up a huge down payment on a house. Go traveling. Go traveling. But you will have developed no skills to survive on your own in the world and then, you know, and you're and, and if you think about it you're up against people maybe in the workplace who maybe have been living on their on on their own since 1718 and they're going to december they're going to demonstrate a level of maturity beyond yours if you're still living at home and they're going to be more resourceful as a result of living on their own and that's going to show up in their in their work as well the last point within this article that i want to touch on before we move on to our last article is don't go into debt period so I'm assuming this is about consumer debt, but is this statement too much pressure to put on yourself when it comes to the other decisions you'll have to make in life uh, financially, of course? Well, you know, they they talk about good debt and bad debt. Well, it turns out all debt's bad, right? You end up paying for uh, decisions you made in the past, in the future. So you're you're paying for decisions, bad decisions you made previously, you're paying for into the future. So debt is generally... The, the only the only kind of debt I would go into is where whatever invested in, whatever I, I borrow the money for, it's going to go up in value. If whatever I borrowed the money in for it goes down in value, that is a bad decision. So if you just keep that in mind, those, so my 20-year-old self, I would not, or I'd minimize the amount of money I'd borrow for things that go down in value, like a car or like a VCR or... or um, a TV, you know, Wait, any consu- can you can you just let our listeners know how much your VCR was? Yeah, it was eight hundred dollars. Eight hundred dollars, yeah. and it had a lot of really neat features. It had uh, play, pause, <laughs> and record, so it was it was Ooh. state-of-the-art machine. So, yeah. uh, any of your listeners, if you're wondering where to get one of those, we'll have the link for that in the show notes. And it almost took two people to carry it. It was so heavy. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to miss out on this one. And the, it would quite often drown out the sound of the TV as it was playing the tape. So it, it was technology at its worst. But anyway, so so if you borrow money for those kind of things, you, you're just you are you're you're just asking for trouble. But if you borrow money for an education, you know that that's going to earn you money in the future. So it's going to go up in value. You borrow money for a home, that's going to go up in value. So if you have to borrow money. If you have to borrow money, and I can't stress have to, that's the only things you should borrow money for. I want to move on to the last article we're touching on today, and it's from themission.com. It's by Cernova's Rail, and we're going to run through a few of the key ones here. And this one's got a nice wrap-up article. It, it, it kind of talks about life in general, but all these are related to money. And the first one is don't worry so much. Yeah, I spent a lot of time you know, worrying about again a destination rather than a direction and you know I hate to regurgitate this but I I stress so much about you know making it in life right getting there and it turns out there keeps moving but the finish line is always the horizon in front of you it's the so you have to just be happy with moving in a direction otherwise you'll you'll just drive yourself crazy and when you say there, I picture there as this this level of success, whether defined by you or what you think society deems as successful. Well, that's another thing is I, I turned out in my 20s, I think I was living the life I thought my parents thought I should live. And that 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 just creates a lot of unhappiness. And because you I'm really, sure your parents live quite a different life than maybe you live. Well, I, you know... As a kid, that's your point of reference. You, you know, you, how your parents live their life is is really the thing you know the most. But you really have to live your own life. You know, you have to plan your own path. But even today, you know, so I I keep having this destination of early retirement. And I know when I get there, that's not the finish line. Like, it's not going to be the destination. It, it's turn, I know it's just going to be a direction because I'm not going to just stop working. I'm going to do something productive so I won't know that I'll feel retired. So it's it's very direction-based. I want to ask you a question. Would you say that if someone is 
has personal finance in the forefront of their mind is always concerned about how they're doing financially that I mean they have to so they have their head in the right state is is this I mean and you can only stress about money so much so if they have if they're thinking about it if they're being conscious of it do you think things will work out for them no and like I said earlier I think if you just focused it about them the math I think you're gonna find that you didn't take enough chances in life so if, mm-hmm. if you almost worry too much about finances and how well you're doing, you'll, you kind of miss it on the other other aspects. Yeah, like uh, you, you're if if you're just working with numbers, you're never going to take a risk in life. And I I like that you say that because I mean we we look at personal finances as a really critical key part of our lives and and how it it really is at the root of all of our decisions. I mean we have enough money, but I I like that it doesn't come it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be the defining factor at all times. It shouldn't be the the, the zero sum line. Like it, there should be other things to take into consideration. Well, in in your twenties, you have so much runway in front of you to earn money that that you should do less math then. But as you get older, you need to be more focused on the numbers. The next point within this article, and I really really like this point. It's don't be so rigid about your plans. Yeah, and I, I keep repeat myself: direction versus destination. But Having, you know, an example I said was when you get an education, know that you're going to change your career at least once, probably twice over your working life. This is, that's a point, something that I have and still have so much trouble with is this, is I create a plan for myself and it, it's not going according to plan. It really isn't where I am right now in life isn't, so I'm, I think that's a hard thing. How did you come to terms with that, Trevor? How did you come to terms with that? It's, this is where I am right now and it's okay. Well, so I'd make a plan and that plan was based on an environment, you know, a a family or just me and my wife or empty nesters, whatever that plan was, the environment changed, you know, so I had children. So your, 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 your environments change. You have more people in your life or, or you move to another town or you get a different job. All those things are environmentally changing. So, so how can the same plan work? as the environment changes. That's why you need to, you need to like the internet came to, to be, so I, I went to school to learn accounting. And when I was studying it, computers were just an idea. They weren't a thing. And so the thing they were, the stuff they were teaching us in school was, you know, kind of touched on the computer aspect of accounting, but it was more in the theory of accounting and finance. And then I went into the working world and slowly but surely computers became more and more integrated into the accounting sort of environment and i watched the people that didn't you know change with that they didn't you know so if i look back my 20s i watched the people who who resisted that or or didn't didn't roll with it and evolve and they they did not succeed at all like things did not go well for them so you need to be you need even in the same career path, you need to be able to alter your plan for a changing environment. I really like this point as well. Things will turn out better than you imagined. Well, this this is maybe, this is this can be true and false because some people I know are way more optimistic and than they should be about a particular aspect of their life. And they keep, Running with the hope that it is going to turn out. You know, sometimes you do have to give up on a plan, right? So sometimes things aren't going to work out and you have to change paths. And the people that don't, they keep, you know, hoping this is going to work out. A lot lot of times I've I've seen a lot of disappointed people because of that. But I feel like this point is really just about expectations and how if you don't have any, things will always turn out just good. Yeah, that is true. I, I, you know, I think back, I remember, so I have three kids and I remember, uh, I would, you know, if we were going somewhere for a long drive to visit some relatives, you know, maybe a four hour drive, we'd wake up in the morning and I'd tell my three kids, okay, get something to, to use in the car, you know, to something to amuse yourself in the car. Cause we got a long drive ahead of us. And my son, who was a, uh, a notorious planner, he would start stacking things by the door um, from the minute he woke up of all the things he was going to bring that were going to keep in entertained him for this four hour drive. And the pile would grow slowly all morning long and it would be stacked really neat. And I, I would 
periodically warn my youngest daughter. I say, hey, you know, get something together because it's a long drive. You're going to get bored. And she would continue watching TV or doing whatever she was doing and not really paying attention to me. And then it's finally I say, okay, we're going, everyone in the car. So my son would gather up all his piles of things and put them in the car. And my daughter would just be running down the stairs and she'd just grab whatever was closest to the door on the way out. And on the way to where we're going, she seemed to be the most amused and most content on that drive. And it's because she had zero expectations. The last point, and I think it's a great way to end this episode, and it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, it, not only is it a marathon, you know, life is a marathon, and particularly around personal finance. If I went back to my 20-year-old self, and the biggest, the best advice I ever got, and it wasn't, it wasn't delivered this eloquently, but life is not a straight line. You know, it, there's a lot of curves in the road, and it's it, the, the path is not going to be obvious as you're going through life. But Steve Jobs says, when you reflect back, you'll be able to connect the dots and how it all made sense. So Trevor, I think that brings us to the end of this episode on advice you'd give your 20-year-old self. And I, I don't know about you, but I uh, I feel like I learned a lot during this episode, maybe because I am 20 and I needed to hear these pieces of advice. But I hope for all of our listeners, you're able to really reflect and, and appreciate uh, the, the things that you can maybe pass on to younger people or, or just appreciate your life today. So... That brings us to the end. Thank you so much for listening. Don't be afraid to hit us up via email or on our social media about things you'd like to hear us talk about or comments about what you're enjoying and what we can change. We loved hearing from you. I mean, we talked about Brett's question last week and it was awesome. And so if if there's anything you want to hear, just let us know and we'd be more than happy to talk about it or, or discuss it here on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here with us. We really, really appreciate having you around. And until next week, Keep it simple.